had so many things I had to open up on my iPad today, but I'm there. Brother Tommy came and sat down beside me for a minute and with a word of encouragement, which I appreciate so very much in his love. And he says, you, you just don't worry about that. I said, I'm not. I, God gave me an easy sermon today, so <laughs> I, I'm not so worried. I, I want to talk to you on John 3.16 for a minute, the most well-known, the best loved and uh, appreciated verse in all of the Word of God. I just want to share a few things about it with you this morning, encourage you as uh, we're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. But before I do, I want to tell you that I plan to retire the end of this year. I uh, have prayed about it long, uh, thought about it, talked to my family about it, my wife, of course, and uh, the finance committee and uh, the deacons are aware of this. But I wanted you to be aware of it, and I thought I'd do it in this way because I didn't want to be emotional. Uh, I plan to retire at the end of the year, and immediately we'll start in July working with your leadership to help them know how to form a search committee and a leadership committee through this time, retirement committee for the pastor's retirement and to get all of those things in place. And so for the church to be able to form a committee to search and to find uh, the pastor that will follow me. And uh, I will have nothing to do in the selection of that and in that process. I want you to know that. It's not for me to determine who your next pastor is. It's not for me to de determine how they go about it. But I do have a responsibility as, the, as your under-shepherd and the, the leader of this church and as your pastor to help our church leadership to know how to form the search committee and get that done. And the reason for that, the way this church has in its policies of yesteryear, uh, that they would form a search committee, those positions no longer exist in our fellowship. And because of that, your leadership, your chairman of Dickens, your chairman of finance, chairman of uh, personnel committee and such, We'll be meeting together with me, and I'll give them some pointers that I've gotten through other authorities and resources to help them know how to go about leading the church and selecting a committee to search out your new pastor and to be ready to move on with that toward the end of the year so that you'll not have to go in an interim time for any length of time. I think it would be very detrimental to the health and the life of this church. And I want to do the very best I can. I want to promise you from the get-go that I'm going to serve as faithfully. I'm going to work as hard. I have the, I have the health and the, the uh, benefit and the best of this church on my heart. I love you. You're, you're my life. <laughs> you're, you're, such a, you're such a part of who I am. And uh, I would never do anything that would be detrimental to the future and the health of this church. And as much as I know I'm a strong leader, I, you know, I'm, in the past I was called stubborn, but I've mellowed a little bit, and it's just a strong leader now. But even in that, I know where my place is, and I will have nothing to do with your selection of your new pastor. So get that. I know that we've discussed a lot of things in, in meetings before and committee meetings about having a co-pastor come in for a while and that kind of thing. I just don't think that's uh, 
the right thing for me, for you, or for your new pastor. So we'll, we'll get me out of the way, and you'll have a new start with someone else, and the church has a great future. I really believe that. So I, I said it in light today because I wanted to say it in light. I didn't want to be emotional, and I didn't want my family to be emotional and uh, to be able to just share it this way. And to be honest with you, I did not even tell my wife I was going to tell it today because I didn't want her worried about it. Wait, don't get me wrong. She well knows what the plans are. <laughs> she well knows that as well as my, my children and uh, know that and my grandchildren. So you pray for us as we make time for those adjustments and as we try to lead in these last few months and that God would provide and we have a good future, to, not together, but in the time, meantime together and in the future apart, we'll have great memories, okay? John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus in John 3.16 is referring to the cross. He's not on the cross, but he's letting those who are listening to him know that he came for a purpose. He came to seek and to save those who are lost, he said. He came into the world that the world through him might be saved. And God has abundantly told us throughout the Old Testament, introduced it through the lives of all of those Old Testament saints and the leadership that he gave them, even Adam and Eve and, and Abraham. And you come right on through the Old Testament, Moses, and you find that God was teaching that he had a plan. He had a purpose for all that he was doing. He had a plan for the nation of Israel, and that plan for Israel was to be the family through which God would introduce his only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, the one who would die for the sins of the whole world. Matter of fact, it's introduced time and time again as we studied portraits or pictures of Christ in the Old Testament last year. And you'll remember that we looked at picture after picture of a portrait of Christ and his sacrifice on the cross for us and God foretelling that and letting the world know that he had a plan, that he had a way of redemption and it would be through his son. And then that came to fruition in Bethlehem when Jesus, the son of God, was born of the Virgin Mary and came to earth as God incarnate, God in the flesh, and he was headed ultimately to the cross. He knew why he came. He even prayed the night before he was arrested and crucified. Father, if it could be thy will, let thy, this cup pass from me. But nonetheless, not my will, but thine be done. And he willingly gave himself over to the soldiers who arrested him this, that night and really didn't have the power to do that for they fell back to the ground when they tried to. But he gave himself to them and freely, willingly faced the death on the cross for every man, woman, boy, or girl who has ever been from the creation of Adam and Eve until the last one that is ever born into this world. Jesus came and went to the cross 
for you. He went for all mankind. You see, it was on the cross that Christ proved his love for us. God the Father proved his love for us in giving his only begotten Son. It was on the cross that God gave his only Son, his only Son, the Son of God. He gave him for whoever would believe. It was on the cross that through his death, he purchased forgiveness and redemption for everyone in the human race who would believe on him and trust in him as Lord and Savior. It was on the cross that we were offered life everlasting. Look to him and live. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness and told those that had been bitten by the snake and the snake's bite, is, snake is Satan, representative of Satan, and the bite is sin. And they told those that had been bitten by the certain serpent, if they'd look to the snake, the brass snake on the pole, they would live. And Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must I, the Son of Man, be lifted up. And he was lifted on the cross, and the teaching of the cross is he became sin for us. He took on all of our wrong, all of our failures, all of our ugly, all of our sinfulness. He became every hideous sin that your mind can imagine and every hideous deed that has ever been committed. He became those things on the cross and sin died, was nailed to the cross in the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of that, he offered everlasting life. It was on the cross that he rescued all who would believe from hell. The scripture is abundantly clear that the wages of sin is death, and death is hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And he went to the cross that we could be rescued from hell and be given everlasting life. What is the meaning of the cross then? To those who perish... The Bible says it's meaningless. Though those who have never believed, it is nonsense. It is foolishness. Matter of fact, to the world, the preaching of the cross and telling of a Savior dying on the cross, and by dying on the cross, he became sins and for us, and he died there for our sin, and he offers life for whoever believed. The Scripture says they consider it foolishness that such a thing would be true. They see it as a meaningless death. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18 tells us that the unbeliever considers it this, when it says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Have you come in contact with the power of God? Do you know the power of God over sin? Do you know the power of God of forgiveness in your life? Do you know the power of God to take away every sin stain? Do you know the power of God to take away every guilt and to make you guiltless, <coughs> perfect, forgiven, whole, redeemed? That's what the cross means. That's what's offered from the cross. The cross means God loves you. For God so 
loved the world that he gave. You may not feel loved. There are times when you don't feel very lovable. But I want you to know today that God loves you. When I was a little bitty boy, my great aunt taught me a saying. I have remembered it all of my life. And I mean, I was a tiny thing. I'd been picking cotton. The only problem was I was picking the cotton balls off of my grandmother's mattress. You remember those cotton balls and the string went through the mattress and it held the mattress together and kept its form. And I was sitting there just picking cotton. And my grandmother walked in and she, my mother's name is Betty. And she said, Betty. I said, don't bother my mama. And I started crying. And my old Aunt Eva grabbed me by the hand. She says, come on, Ricky. Nobody loves us. Everybody hates us. Let's go eat worms. You know, she took me out at the plum orchard, and I thought we were going to eat worms. <laughs> I really did. But she took me out there and picked a couple of plums, and we stood out there and ate those plums. I was a little bitty toddler. And she said, you know, your grandmother loves you. She doesn't love you any less now. You just did a bad thing. She doesn't know how she's going to handle it. Your mother's not going to hurt you. She loves you. And I've never forgotten that. God loves us. You may have picked cotton off your grandmother's mattress, but God loves you. You may have slandered someone. And the guilt riddles your heart. But God loves you. You may have been a bad person for a lot of times in your life, but I want you to know God loves you. And he proved his love by giving his son on the cross. When you see the cross, when you walk in here to worship and see that cross, let it say to you every Sunday you come in here, God loves me. God loves me so much. He gave his son on the cross for me. Secondly, the cross means nobody has to go to hell. Let me tell you what, you can go to hell if you want to. God's not going to keep you from going to hell. God's not going to keep you. He's not going to send some sheriff to arrest you and lock you up to go to heaven. It's not going to happen that way. God has proven his love. God has exemplified his love. God has shown his love. God still reveals his love. Every day he reveals his love. And it was once and for all exposed on Calvary. When Jesus became our sins and died for us. And you can know whatever you've done, however you've been, wherever you've been, God loves you. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to spend an eternity. It says, whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. 
The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 3 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not a one of us without sin. We're all guilty. And it tells us in Romans 6, 23, that the result of sin is death, spiritual death, separation from God. So the result of sin, the result of wrong in our lives, separates us from God, makes us guilty of what Jesus died on the cross that we may be forgiven of. And when we do not respond to that offer of forgiveness of God's love in his gift on the cross, the wages of that is separation from God, spiritual death, eternal separation from God with no hope of ever escaping a place called hell for all who never believe in Jesus will spend an eternity in an awful place that I don't like to talk about, but it's truth. It is in the word of God. It is absolutely truth without error. There is a hell it's not prepared for human beings. It's prepared for Satan and all the demons of hell. But all of those who refuse God's love and his forgiveness has been, that has been provided through the cross of Jesus and his substitutionary death, all of those who refuse God's love and his gift of saying, come unto me and have life, have forgiveness, have a home in heaven, live forever in peace and joy. And those that will not receive God's gift will spend an eternity in that place called hell. Jesus received our wages of sin when he died on the cross. And thereby God has offered a way for every person to escape hell. The cross means God loves you. The cross means you do not have to go to hell. The cross means you can live forever with everlasting life in Jesus. And finally, the cross means the choice is yours. That whosoever will believe on him escapes hell is forgiven as life is a part of God's family. I will admit you just can't any old flippant time you want to say, I think I'll just believe in God today. I think I'll just believe in what Jesus did on the cross. The, the Bible is abundantly clear. Unless the Holy Spirit of God draws a person, it is impossible for them to believe and be saved. So when you hear the word, word presented when you hear the truth talked about, when you hear the truth of the word that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, that you may be forgiven, that you may have life, and all who do not receive that offer of forgiveness in life will spend an eternity in hell. And when you hear that truth presented and the Holy Spirit of God tells you in your mind and heart, yes, that is truth. You need to respond to that. That is God's Holy Spirit saying, this is the opportunity for you to be saved, for you to come to Jesus, for you to have forgiveness, for you to live forever. It's all up to you. The choice is yours. 
the diagnostic question is this. If you were to die tonight, do you know absolutely for sure without any doubt that you are prepared, that you are forgiven, that you will live forever in a place prepared called heaven? Do you know that? Do you know it? Or do you hope it's so? This morning you can know it by simply trusting in what Jesus has done for you. As you listen online, as you hear these truths that have been shared this morning on the simple verse, the most well-known verse in the Bible, John 3.16, what will you do with it? God has arrested your attention. He has reminded you that you're a sinner and that he loves you and that Jesus died for your sins and that he calls you to believe and to be saved. What will you do with Jesus? Let's pray. Father, I'm simple enough to believe your word. And I'm smart enough to believe your word. And your word is truth. And the truth that I've shared today has simply been your word, the gospel of the life, death, burial, resurrection of Jesus and of his promise of forgiveness and everlasting life. Father, there's someone listening that you've spoken to. There's someone whose attention has been arrested and maybe for the first time in their lives they've gotten serious about their spiritual condition. Right now, pray for them. Lord, help them to pray this prayer. Jesus, I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you died so that I could have forgiveness and I could have life. And right now, Jesus, I admit to you, I know I'm a sinner. I'm so in need of your forgiveness. So right now, I trust, I believe you. Forgive me. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Lord, for your promise that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I call, Lord, save me. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer this morning, and you're in this building. I'll be waiting to pray with you and counsel with you for just a moment during this invitational song. If you're at home and you prayed this prayer this morning, would you call? My cell number is 334-538-7959, and I'll be available in about 30 minutes. I'll be glad to talk with you. You can call the church office tomorrow, 272-2412. I'll be glad to talk with you. The important thing is, will you trust Jesus? Will you come to him? Will you be gloriously forgiven and inherit everlasting life? I trust you will.